It's TechBiter Worldwide with Bill Flynn. The latest on programs and policies, helpful hints, and a bit of occasional nonsense. All in more or less plain English. Podcast number 798 for the 24th of June, 2022. This week, those who must create flyers, web graphics, and posters despite having no training in graphic design can use free and low-cost online services to avoid creating laughable, poorly executed results. In short circuits, anyone who watches videos on a computer should have the VideoLand Client VLC. It's a strong competitor, even for players that cost $50 or $100, and it can perform some actions that even the expensive players can't. When the speed of your internet connection is disappointing, check with your internet service provider, but don't overlook possible problems that are closer to home. And 20 years ago, only on the website, Adobe had just released version 2 of InDesign, and it was clearly a huge challenge to Quark Express. Graphic design, like so many other specialized tasks, has been democratized. And often people who have no training in graphic design are called on to create posters, flyers, and web graphics. Fortunately, there are some tools that can help. Stock photography images are available from Adobe Stock, and Adobe Behance offers those who need professional design work to find sources. But if you have to do the work yourself, three free services are useful options. You'll find links to all of the services I mentioned on the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. Blush has a somewhat quirky interface and unusual design capabilities, and it also seems limited in scope. Blush's free plan includes unlimited downloads and the ability to save up to five designs that you want to use later. The $144 annual plan allows users to save an unlimited number of designs, use color customization tools, have access to 10,000 illustrations, and use scalable SVG vector images. But scalable vector images seem to be everything there is. No photos, no video, no audio, no capabilities for designing publications. Now, that's not to say that vector images aren't useful. They are. They serve many purposes quite well, but it, it would be nice to have more. Those who need occasional stock video sequences should take a look at Cover. That's Cover with two R's, C-O-V-E-R-R. -R. They offer stock video. All of the offerings appear to be free, and there is no paid plan. However, users will see images and videos from Shutterstock when they search Cover. Shutterstock is a reasonably priced stock agency with annual plans that start at $300. The $300 plan allows 10 stock photo downloads per month, so each download costs just $2.50. And if you're wondering why Cover has two R's, it's because Cover.com was already taken by an insurance service. You'll find free and paid images and videos in a variety of topics, virtual backgrounds for Zoom, some aerial videos, but as with Blush, cover is somewhat limited. One of the most useful sources of stock media is Canva, which even offers options for editing your work online. 
Canva's free program offers a quarter million templates, more than 100 design types, thousands of free photos and graphics, and 5 gigabytes of online storage. The $120 annual plan adds more than 100 million stock photos, videos, audios, and graphics, thousands of additional templates, the ability to easily add brand colors and designs, powerful resizing, an option to remove backgrounds, 100 gigabytes of online storage, and the ability to schedule online media placement on social media. The social platforms include Facebook, both pages and groups, Instagram, both personal and business, LinkedIn, pages and profiles, Twitter, Pinterest, and Tumblr. So let's take a look at what users can accomplish with Canva. The first step involves determining what you want to create starting with categories such as social media, personal, business, and marketing. So let's say I'd like to create an image for a Facebook post to use when wishing somebody a happy birthday. Selecting social media and Facebook posts leads to a section with hundreds of templates. Keep in mind that although I have a paid Canva account, I created a free account for this exercise. There is nothing in this example that requires a paid subscription. In an illustration that shows the image offerings for both the free and paid accounts, I have placed an X on the images that are not available to those using the free plan, at least not available without paying an extra fee. After scrolling through the templates, I selected one called Gray Minimalist Happy Birthday Facebook Post. It says Happy Birthday at the top shows a photo of a young woman and includes a quotation. Hopefully, as you get older, it says you can become a better person and become a successful person. Now, the design is promising, but I'm going to need to replace the photo, modify the colors, and definitely change that greeting. Of course, I want a cat for the photo, so I searched for cat pictures. Some of the images marked paid or pro would have worked a lot better, and I could have used them with my paid account. But I selected an image of a gray cat with a tilted head and dropped it into the image holder in the template. It took more time to find the photo than it did to put it in the template. Then it was time to change the text. I changed it to, I told the cat it's your birthday, and quite frankly, she doesn't care at all. I changed the text justification from right justified to centered, tilted the text a little bit, changed the color of the text and the text background, and rotated the text holder slightly. Next, I changed the color of the background in the upper left and lower right corners, swapped the typeface and changed the color for the happy birthday line at the top, and added the hashtag nobody cares. Making these changes consumed around 10 minutes, so then it was time to export the image. The share button at the top right of the screen makes it possible to share the image directly on social media, print it, or download it. I chose to download it. Downloads can be in any of several standard graphics file formats. I chose to download it as a ping file, PNG. The process I use for images on the TechBiter blog converted the ping to two JPEG images, one that's used for the thumbnail that you see on the TechBiter Worldwide website, and the larger image that appears when visitors click the small image. So if you're called on to create print or online materials, and it's a task you're uncomfortable doing, take a look at some of the free options, and then consider whether a $120 per year plan from Canva might save time and grief. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, 
might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In Short Circuits, the Videoland client, better known as VLC, plays just about everything. It's been around for nearly two decades, and it's hard to beat something that works so well and costs so little. Let's get that price out of the way first. It's free, but donations are encouraged. If you routinely use VLC, making even a small donation will help the project and might make you feel better. Compare VLC with CyberLink Power DVD, which costs $60, or if you want to be able to play Blu-ray discs, $100, or you can choose the Power DVD 365 service for $55 per year. And that puts a $20 donation to the Videoland developers in perspective. CyberLink Power DVD is also solely a video player, while VLC offers a lot of other options. A few months ago, shortly after I upgraded from Windows 10 to Windows 11, I noticed that the VLC player would play the video part of a DVD, ISO, or video file, but not the audio. After trying several proposed fixes with no success, I broke down and bought a copy of CyberLink Power DVD, which clearly has a prettier interface, and it was able to play the soundtrack. Then, when Videoland released version 3.0.17.4, the problem had been resolved. There are still some minor problems with audio, but it seems to affect only Blu-ray discs and ISO files. And CyberLink also has a clever solution for Blu-ray disc controls. There's an on-screen remote control. VLC still requires the installation of Java, which can introduce some security problems if you want the disk's controls to be available. Otherwise, the disk will just play without menus. A significant advantage for those who use more than one computer is that you need one license for every computer on which you install the expensive CyberLink application, and it supports only Windows and mobile devices. Besides being free, donations requested. VLC runs on Windows, Mac OS, Linux, and mobile devices. VLC offers surprisingly robust features too, such as the ability to convert files to several formats, and it can also stream videos over your local network. Although I prefer other audio players, VLC handles most audio files too, and although VLC can stream radio station audio, you probably won't use it for that. Radio stations have their own streaming systems that work with most browsers, so many of them have removed access to direct links that applications such as VLC would use for streaming. And there's more. VLC can even help when you want to save a YouTube video. You may have noticed that YouTube offers a download button, sometimes, but nothing is actually downloaded. Instead, your video is saved to your online YouTube account. When you want to watch the video, you have to be online. Downloading a YouTube video using VLC is a little bit cumbersome, but it's easy enough, and the file will actually be downloaded to your computer. 
I'm a fan of the BBC One's Doctor Who, and I like to keep copies of the promotional shorts, sometimes called prequels by the BBC. So here's how the process works. You start by playing the video on YouTube and copy the URL. Then you open VLC to continue the process. Use VLC's menu to select Open Network Stream, and then paste the URL into the dialog box and click the Play button. While the video is playing, open the Tools section of the menu and click Codec Information. Then select the Codec tab and copy the contents of the location line. It will be one gigantic URL, so be sure you get the whole thing copied. Then return to your browser, open a new tab, and paste that gigantic URL into the address line. When the video is playing, right-click it and select Save Video As. You can then specify the location on your computer where you want to save the MP4 file. By the way, if you check the TechBiter Worldwide website, you'll see that I showed some screen captures of VLC and Cyberlink Power DVD. If you've tried to grab screenshots of videos that have been playing, you may have been disappointed by getting only a black screen. There is an easy workaround, but it involves rebooting the computer. The problem is caused by hardware acceleration that improves video performance, but makes it impossible for most screen capture applications to get successful captures of videos. To get a successful screenshot, you need to turn off that hardware acceleration. Open Settings, then navigate to System, Display, Graphics. Under Default Settings, there's an option to change default graphics settings, so click that. Hardware Accelerated GPU Scheduling is at the top of the next screen. Click the toggle switch to turn that feature off, then reboot the computer. With GPU Hardware Acceleration turned off, you'll be able to get the screenshot. And once you've obtained the screenshot, you'll want to turn acceleration back on. So return to the default graphics page, enable acceleration, and reboot the computer. It's a good idea to check your internet speed occasionally to confirm that you're receiving the quality of service you paid for. Internet service providers, or ISPs, rarely, possibly never, check connection speeds for individual customers unless they're asked to. When the service speed is disappointing, there are a couple of possibilities. Something is hindering the connection, or the ISP hasn't bothered to upgrade your service to that provided to your neighbors. I've run into both of these issues, but in the reverse order. When we were preparing to drop cable television service last year and switch to streaming video, we had a 100 megabits per second internet plan. I told the customer service representative that we should be receiving at least 200 megabits per second service for $50 a month. That was the internet service part of our cable bill. That turned out to be incorrect. We should have been receiving 500 megabits per second service for 50 bucks, and we got the five times faster speed at the same price when we made the change. The uplink speed was supposed to increase from about 2 megabits per second to 50 megabits per second. Although the uplink speed often falls short of expectations, it's rarely lower than 25 megabits per second. 
And as for that downlink speed, we didn't get the faster speed right away. We had an older cable modem that didn't support the higher speed, so the ISP replaced it. Later, I purchased a cable modem to eliminate the monthly rental fee. But the primary computer routinely reported downlink speeds in the 200 megabits per second range, well short of what it should be seeing. Mobile devices, though, connected via the Wi-Fi router reported 500 megabits, so I knew the problem was mine, not the ISP's. Clearly, it wasn't the router because it supported 500 megabits per second, and its specs show that it's capable of gigabit speeds. The computer's Ethernet port was the problem. So I added a Thunderbolt to Ethernet adapter for less than 20 bucks, and the speed increased to 500 megabits per second. Since then, the main computer has been replaced, and the new computer's built-in Ethernet port supports gigabit speeds. So I've retired the adapter. If you're not getting the internet speeds you want, start with a call to your internet service provider. But don't forget to check for local roadblocks, too. Regardless of your connection speed, you can view 20 years ago on the TechBiter Worldwide website. In 2002, Adobe had just released version 2 of InDesign. It was clearly a huge challenge to Quark Express. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn. There's more on the website, techbiter.com, and if you have a question or a comment, use the contact link you'll find there. Stop by again next week for another session. Mm -hmm.